rich traditions, real applications. This is Discover the Truth with Garrett Metal Detectors. Welcome to Discover the Truth, a podcast by Garrett Metal Detectors. I'm your host, Chris Reeves. Joining us today is Steve Moore, Marketing Director at Garrett Metal Detectors. Steve has been with Garrett for 13 plus years and is also an avid user of metal detectors. He has hunted casually and competitively in 40 states and 12 different countries. He's joining us today to talk about all things Garrett, as well as some of the places he's hunted and some of the things he's found. Steve, thanks for joining me today. A pleasure to be here, Chris. So Steve, you've been with Garrett for over 13 years. What initially drew you to joining the Garrett team? You know, I've been in marketing and advertising for quite a long time. And at the time I was just going through some changes and it looked like a good fit because they needed uh, web development. They needed catalog experience, print advertising. And, you know, of course, this is back before social media became the thing that it is today. So uh, we've just continued to grow and evolve since I've come on board here. Very cool. And were you already using metal detectors when you joined the team? Not avidly. I had a cousin back in the 1980s that had one, and ironically enough, it was a Garrett brand, and got to play around with that a little bit, but uh, I guess I was pursuing other interests in those days. But uh, once I came on board here and got to meet our founder, Charles Garrett, it just became a natural to get out and use them. And in fact, uh, he highly encouraged us to get out in the field, you know, intermingle, work with people that, that use the products, and learn as much as you can. And uh, me kind of being an outdoorsy person by nature, I, I took to it immediately. I love the uh, the sense of chasing history. I, I kind of write history as a side passion. So there was just a, a natural passion for what I found here with metal detecting. Right. So what's the most interesting place you've hunted? Oh, boy, lots of places. Uh, Australia was uh, unique in its own right, going out to the the far west, to the red dirt and the, the desolate areas where they chased the gold nuggets out there. Uh, just returned, uh, this past week from a, a trip over to Germany and to England. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, I, I really enjoy England. They've got some really good treasure hunting laws that benefit both the searcher and the landowner. And it, it, it's pretty free and open for the most part, as long as you have permission from the landowner, but, uh, just so much old and interesting history to find there. Did you find anything interesting while you were there? Yeah, we were pursuing... Uh, older hammered coins. They look for old silver hammered coins. They call them hammies. Uh, they have their own lingo, their own terminology, the, the treasure hunters ever in the UK. But we were successful in finding some. Uh, I probably found my, my smallest, my tiniest uh, silver coin. It was a, a cut quarter piece, a quarter of an old penny. But it's just be a minor fraction of the size of a US penny. But silver dates back to the 1200s, uh, dug another small hammered silver coin, much, much smaller than a U.S. dime. And it, again, it dates to the 1200s, 1300s period. And just incredible detail that they had, uh, the artisans that made the coins back in those days. So just really, really interesting history to find. So what is the craziest thing you found during your hunting career? Man, that's a good question. Some of the things that uh, are more important to me, I'd say, would be uh, places where I've had battlefields. I've got to search where I had ancestors that fought there. Uh, this would include the Indian Wars in Texas, uh, Civil War sites, uh, sites on the Texas Revolution battlegrounds. 
finding musket balls or buttons or things that, you know, my triple great grandpa could have dropped that or could have shot that. That's really cool. Probably one of my, my most favorite finds was a, a U.S. gold coin from the 1850s. Uh, my, my one and only gold coin, but that's on the bucket list of every treasure hunter is to find a gold coin. And I finally managed that after, oh, nine or 10 years of searching. Oh, man. Were you able to find that because you kind of evolved your equipment setup over time during hunting or just kind of uh, right place, right time? It's a combination of a lot of things. You got to have good equipment that's capable of handling the conditions you're in. Uh, and the, in the case of where we were this past week in England, uh, some of these particular fields had old history, but they were littered with lots of scrap iron and junk metal. And so you're literally, literally trying to pick a really tiny good item out of the midst of a bunch of trash out there. Now, fortunately, our AT Max is a very powerful machine. And with the right size search coil and some of the features it includes, we've learned how to pick those little good things out of the midst of, of what somebody else might consider to be unhuntable or just a junky field. Uh, it is a little bit of luck. You know, you got to have the right place. You have to understand your history to know that people were indeed here, that there was some history on the land. And then there is a little bit of, hey, you got to go over it, a little bit of luck to get in the right spot to find that thing. But technology certainly comes into play there, as well as the skill set of the operator. Okay, so you also hunt competitively. Why did you decide to switch from hunting casually to competitively, and how long have you been hunting competitively? Well, that's part of what we do when we travel overseas, particularly. We go to, they call them rallies over in the uh, UK and in Europe, and you compete against hundreds of other people to go out into a pasture or a big farmland and try to see how many tokens or, or planted items you can find within a, a allotted period of time. Uh, some of them are prize tokens. Other ones are who can find the most of these particular items that are planted. So it becomes skill, it becomes speed. And with us being a, a part of a manufacturer like Garrett, I don't ever claim the prizes, but I like to go find the things. And then, you know, I'll give some of my prize tokens to kids or maybe somebody that's having a bad day that didn't find much. We're, we're there for the fun of it and, and to support our brand, but uh, it, it's all a blast. You know, some of these guys are really good, guys and gals, I should say, you know, men, women, children of all ages. It's how much time they put into it and how good they are at their sport. And it, it's a lot of fun. It just, it's the camaraderie of being outdoors and doing stuff that you enjoy. We've got another large one coming up in New York, uh, first weekend of October. It's an event called Pound the Ground, and they expect about a thousand or more people out there, uh, avid users of metal detectors. And we're talking old upstate farmland that has colonial history there, potentially revolutionary history. So there will be uh, native finds in the ground, which is what most people go to search for to find you know, old coins and old relics. But there'll also be a field or two with uh, what we call seeded or planted silver coins and gold coins and, and goodies like that to find. So it's a mix of finding what's naturally there and going to other fields to compete with others to see how many of the planted good items you can find. So it, both of them are equally intriguing to me. I, I think I prefer finding the, the natural items in the ground, such as the seven, eight hundred and thousand year old coins we were finding last week in England. Yeah, I think that's definitely where I'd be drawn as well. 
The only things I've ever found are like small pieces of coin or little scraps. Nothing near as exciting or cool as the things that you found. Yeah, if you get into you know shooting or hunting or if you're a fisherman, I, I kind of uh, liken it to that. You've got to go out there. You got to have a good one. You got to catch a good fish. You got to have a good kill or, or something that just really gets you hooked. And when you're out there and you dig your first really cool Civil War item or your your really awesome silver coin from the old days, then you're hooked. You know, if you go out and just do it for an hour and go to the park, dig some scrap junk out there, you may get turned off. You got to stick with it long enough to, to find a few good things. And then it, at some point that, that button's just pushed and, and off you go. In other cases, it's just a, a coin or two. Uh, an example of that, we had the opportunity this summer to go out to West Virginia we had the uh, worldwide, the International Scouts Jamboree, and this was the first time in 50-odd years it's been in the United States. So Garrett went out there, and we set up uh, an activity area and had just thousands of international coins planted, and we taught these young men and women how to run metal detectors and how to find targets. Some of them took to it almost immediately, and when you see them find some cool coin and dig it up, they just had that, that gleam in their eye and that smile on their face. And you could tell, like, yep, yeah, that one right there, that one's hooked. And and uh, they were asking, where do I get one? How how do I get into this? And it's just the excitement. Once you, you know, realize that excitement, you're hooked with it. That's awesome. Yeah, uh, that's very cool. So speaking of how do I get one, how do I get started? Let's talk some about um, Garrett and the Ace product line. So can you walk me through some of the differences between the different models? Yeah, the ACE uh, product line from Garrett is the world's best-selling metal detector line. We've been putting them out for a number of years. Uh, they're not the same as they were a few years back. We, we update the models. We come in pretty regularly and put new features on them, uh, new treasure-finding abilities and technology. The current lineup for America, we have the ACE 200, the ACE 300, and the ACE 400. And as the numbers will kind of indicate, it, it's kind of a series of steps on the ladder. Each one's progressively a little more advanced than the next machine. And some of our logic is, let's get them in, keep it very simple and basic to get them going. But we also offer probably the most advanced detector out there for the price point, as far as ease of use, turn it on and go and start finding treasure. Uh, our ACE machines will actually tell you the depth of the target that you've encountered, and it gives you a scale to show you what the probability is, you know, what the likelihood of what that target is. Is it iron? Is it probably foil? Could it be gold? Could it be silver? And on the American versions of our models, we actually have coin indicators. It will actually tell you it's a U.S. penny, nickel, dime, quarter, half dollar, silver dollar. So if you can go over a target and see an indication on the screen of its depth, its numeric ID, and an indication that it's probably a quarter, that's going to save you a lot of time of digging some trash items that you probably don't want to find. So our philosophy is the quicker you can get to finding good things or more desired coins or, or other targets, more likely you're going to be to be hooked on using that machine to carry forward. Uh, of course, with Garrett, Ace line, you can take those from childhood to advanced age and use those to find all kinds of treasures around the world. But yes, we do offer more advanced machines beyond that. That said, I've, I've used the Ace, I've used all of them over the years. 
I've uh, got the Ace 300 and 400 at home. I've found great stuff with the Ace 400, uh, Civil War military buttons. I found a, a German infantryman's uh, World War II medallion, uh, a combat award, uh, musket balls, mini balls, lots of coins with that machine. But, you know, if, if you do want to advance, say, to a fully submersible waterproof machine, we have our all-terrain series. Uh, you can take those 10 to 12 feet underwater in a lake, in a river, in the ocean. We've got other detectors for scuba diving. You can go as deep as 200 feet with some of our models. Oh, wow. So uh, gold prospecting machines. There's a lot of specific niches of, of what you're going to search for. But to go back to the ACEs where we're talking about, this is a machine that, that has a wide range of capability. You can find gold nuggets with it. You can find silver coins. You can find jewelry. You can find artifacts. So because of its broad capabilities and just simplicity to it, that's what draws so many people into starting with the Garrett Ace. In a lot of cases, even last week going to these rallies, you see people that have been doing this a long time. They stick with that Ace. They know that it works. They understand it. It's powerful. So it's not a machine to start with and quickly have to move out to something else. You, you could continue hunting with that for all types of uh, environments you might encounter. Awesome. So uh, let's switch gears and talk some about your security products. So can you tell me about the products that are being used in schools? Yeah, the school market, uh, you know, it, it's a tough situation there. We see more and more headlines of uh, tragedies and, and killings in the schools. And some schools have been proactive in the past decade or two to employ handheld detectors and walk-through metal detectors. Of course, there's a lot more demand for them in the past year or two with the rise and the tragedies we've seen. We're very sensitive to that. Uh, most of us have kids either, you know, high school or college age or different age. So we're aware of the dangers that are there. We want our citizens to be safe around the world. So it's always been important to Garrett to develop the security metal detection products. There's other technologies out there, but the basics of metal detection is so fundamental that I think it's going to continue to be there for a long time in schools, courthouses, movie theaters, football stadiums. But protecting the kids going through, we want to stop the guns, the knives, you know, the, the, the violent weapons that could potentially make it through. Uh, Garrett's history and security goes back. Uh, we were the first, actually, to be asked by the Olympics to design detectors for use at mass uh, stadium screening events. This goes back uh, to some of the tragedies around 1980 in Munich uh, with some of the Olympic athletes. And by the time the Olympics came to America, Charles Garrett, our founder, was contacted by the FBI and some other sources to see if he could help develop a walkthrough metal detector to screen all the patrons going into the Los Angeles stadiums. And of course, he said, sure, we can do that. And so Garrett did uh, develop and build those first walkthroughs that were used for the 1984 Los Angeles Olympics. And we've got a long tradition of working with the Olympic Games ever since. In fact, we'll be working with uh, Tokyo coming up here pretty soon on the next round of Olympics. And are those the same products being used in airports or are those a different set of security products? Uh, the walkthroughs that Garrett makes, they're very versatile. We have uh, different lines, different capabilities. Our PD6500i, for example, has 33 zones of detection. 
So it can tell you a gun or a knife is at the ankle level or the shoulder level or at the, the waist level on the left side, on the right side, or in the center of the person that's passing through. So the secondary screener knows exactly where to go to search for that item that's triggered the metal detector. But that machine can be configured for airport usage. It can be configured for, let's say, prison usage, where they want to stop every potential scrap of metal from going through from a tiny key to a, a handmade uh, shank, you know, attack weapon, uh, any type of metal. They want to screen all of that. Whereas, say, someone coming into a, a theater or a school, they might want to let some car keys pass through and be discriminated so that every chunk of metal is not setting off the machine. Uh, our machines are very versatile with Garrett. So the, the trained operators and supervisors can set that discrimination level for what they choose based on that application. So an airport's going to be different from a school, which is going to be different from, you know, say, a movie theater. So very versatile in the, the technology that's in our walkthrough detectors. And uh, yes, they, they can be used across a, a broad range of platforms. So how has the Garrett product offering adapted as the demographics of your customers have grown and changed in your time that you've been there? Yeah, with a lot of the products, you may look at them and they look to be similar to what we had five years ago. But I can assure you, we've got a full team of engineers here and take, say, one of our MZ or PD walkthrough detectors. They're continually being looked at and updated. Their updates being looked at on the, on the technology, on the software that's in there. They can be upgraded via USB. Uh, we may decide because of some occurrence out there in the marketplace or some need that our clients have, we might need to develop a new uh, discrimination program. You know, maybe it's for a certain school segment or a prison segment. We can update that and add that to the to the package of what's there. So that's always being addressed. You know, in the background, Garrett's always working on the next generation of technology both on the sports side and on the security side and on our countermine division. So we're always trying to evolve what we do to do it better, to do it faster, and in the case of security, to protect and to save lives ultimately. So some of those changes that you just talked about, would you say that those had a ripple effect on the industry since the time that you started with Garrett? It's, it's, we have to react to what's going on in the marketplace all the time. You know, lately... Uh, major sports in the past couple of years, uh, hockey, NBA, uh, NFL, have all wanted to protect stadiums. Now you see more of that at the concert level. And of course, the schools, both K-12 to and the university level, are a lot more reactive to what's going on out there. The violence that occurs can change. And based on that, we have to change how we screen or the types of programs that we write. So it, it's always... You have to be reactive to what the customer needs and to what's going on out there in the security world. So you're not sitting still for any period of time in this kind of business. Steve, thanks so much for taking the time to talk with me today. And thank you everyone for listening to Discover the Truth, a podcast from Garrett Metal Detectors. If you'd like to listen to more episodes, you can listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or on Garrett's website by going to garrett.com. I've been your host, Chris Reeves. Thanks for listening.